All right, welcome to the very first podcast series. I am super excited for you to join us. In this specific episode, we're going to talk about how to properly select a marketing vendor for any type of business. Now, when I say marketing vendor, I am specifically referring to any type of digital marketing agency or a web development company, web design company, graphics design company, online reputation company, you name it. So this, what I'm sharing with you today is definitely going to assist you with making a proper, proper selection when it comes to selecting a vendor. And hey, you can also use this entire strategy that I have to select any type of vendor for that matter. In this episode, I am definitely going to share with you a few key things to look out for when selecting a marketing vendor, as I said. And some of that is preparing a scope before actually engaging with any type of vendor and how you can also use that to determine your budget for any type of project that you'd like to do. I'm also going to share with you engaging with multiple vendors and getting a proper estimate. And as part of that is also documentation. That's actually, strangely enough, one of my favorite things is documentation and how to work with documentation, how to get the proper documentation. I'm talking about in scope, out of scope, budget, effort, timeline, all that kind of good stuff. And as well, the terms and conditions, the terms and conditions of any type of documentation. And last but not least, dispute what you do when a project is not going your way and also legal counsel. And then last but not least, we're going to talk about reputation and reviews before selecting a marketing vendor. So, hey, listen, if you came across this episode or this podcast on any type of platform like Spotify or Apple Music, make sure to check out my YouTube channel. I would appreciate that. Just head over, do a little like and subscribe. I do post a lot of videos on a daily, weekly, monthly basis about different type of topics, but it's mostly focused on running a business or doing any type of online marketing. So let's jump right into it. So the first and foremost thing is scope. Let's talk a little bit about scope and let's talk about what is important before actually engaging with any type of vendor. So the first and foremost thing is you got to do your preparation and research. You know, when I ran my own digital marketing company back in the day, the most frustrating part was always customers that come to us and they don't have any plan or any type of preparation in mind or, or anything for that matter. And so the first thing I always say is do proper research. Now, let's talk about that research. Let's talk about that preparation part. Now, the first and foremost thing is you need to determine a scope. And to determine a scope, you need to essentially determine tasks. You need to determine milestones for that scope, right? So let's use an example. And in this example, let's say you own your own business, of course, and you are looking at redesigning and developing and implementing a new website for your business. It's been a few years and it's time to do that. Now, before you engage with any type of vendor, you need to know exactly what you want, right? Do you want specific features or services or products to showcase on your website? How many pages are we looking at roughly? And normally when you do a basic Google search or Bing search for that matter, you can quickly determine what you want and what you don't want. Now, with that said, if you head over to my YouTube channel in the description, I am sharing a few documentation that we are discussing throughout this whole podcast 
that you can use as a reference point, as a base point that will definitely help you. It can, you know, save you a lot of time and effort. All right. So with that said, coming back to it, doing the prep and research, whilst doing that and also trying to determine what your scope is going to be, the next topic of discussion then is budget. How do we actually get to a budget when it comes to, let's say, redesigning a website? How do we actually know how much this is going to cost us? And what is the going rate for a website these days, right? Is it going to be a thousand bucks, which by the way, it's not, or is it going to be five to 10 grand, right? Putting aside just a random budget number is definitely not going to help you, especially when you go and reach out to different vendors. Now, when it comes to the budget, how do we actually determine what the budget amount is going to be? With that said, one thing I can definitely share with you is how to figure out how much, let's say, a website's going to cost you. The first thing is you need to understand that a website, whether it be designing, developing, implementing, or anything like that, it is a service. And I know that sounds super obvious, but it is a service that you are acquiring, meaning that at the end of the day, it is going to be amount of hours that you are going to need to quote unquote buy from a marketing vendor to be able to complete a project. Once you understand that, and I'm going to repeat that actually, it is a service and it is amount of hours that you buy. When you reach out to a vendor and they essentially say, oh no, you know, the website's going to cost you, let's say five grand. Okay, great. How did you get to that actual number? How did you get to that actual amount? Well, this is where the hours come in. If you know and understand that, let's say, designing and developing and implementing a website is going to be different milestones. And based on that, your hourly rate, let's say it's 100 bucks, that's going to be the cost. All right. So with that said, we know that it is a service that you are acquiring and it's amount of hours set. Now, the next thing is when you look at designing and developing a website, it is important to split it up into different phases or milestones. I normally like to have one to even five milestones, whether that be research or content writing being the first one, the second one being design, and the third one being development and so forth. If you split it up into different milestones, not only does it make your life easier, but it also makes the vendor's life easier. So the tip I can give you is definitely split that up into different milestones. Now, again, when you go and watch this episode on YouTube, you'll see in the description that I am sharing documentation and you'll see that I'm sharing a basic documentation of how to determine the actual budget before actually engaging with any type of vendor. So with that said, scope is super important. Make sure that you differentiate different milestones of what you're trying to achieve. And with that, you can quickly figure out what the budget would be. All right, so that is scope. The next topic of discussion is getting multiple estimates. Now, it's like buying a house, I would say. You know, you would go out there and look at different type of houses and you would make a selection based on that. It's the same as a vendor. You want to essentially reach out to, let's say, four or five vendors. You don't want to go and reach out to hundreds of them because that's going to be extremely time consuming. You want to cherry pick about four or five of them and then reach out. All right. So now with that said, the next thing that is always a hot topic of discussion is offshore versus local. Should you go and reach out to an offshore agency or vendor for that matter, or should you stick to local? Now, this is completely up to you. In my opinion, for doing this for such a long time, you do not want to go offshore. 
in my opinion. You do not want to reach out to a vendor in a different country. Why? Well, a couple of things. Number one, language barrier is usually a hot topic of problems. The second thing is hours. Like when they are actually open for business, you are most likely closed for business, right? So arranging meetings and checking in, all that kind of good stuff, that really gets challenging if it's a different time zone. And then last but not least, believe it or not, the quality of offshore, because it's way, way cheaper, the quality is not great. Now, when it comes to designing and developing a website or providing any type of services, there's a thousand ways of doing something, but there's only the right way, right? And normally what I found in my experience when it comes to offshore and offshore services they normally like to cut corners. That's why they are so affordable. So in my opinion, I would always say stick local, get a marketing vendor or you know, request different estimates from marketing vendors that is within your vicinity that you can actually jump into your car and go to their offices. Super important. Now, the next discussion, though, is should you pick a contractor or should you pick a marketing vendor? This is a, a tricky one. Number one, a contractor would definitely be more affordable, but at the same time, they won't have the resources that a marketing vendor would have. So at the end of the day, you need to make that decision based on what your scope is, what you're trying to achieve here, and as well as what is the legitimacy of either the contractor, what's their reputation, or the legitimacy of the marketing vendor, what is their reputation. I can tell you from experience, a marketing vendor is normally more expensive, but you know you can get the project done quicker and probably better for that matter. But I am not saying that a contractor is a no-go because I've definitely seen in my own experience that you know getting a very good contractor might be a little bit more affordable but you know you can also get a contractor that is extremely extremely good so you know at the end of the day you need to make that decision based on that specific set of variables and based on the project that you are trying to achieve all right so the next point i want to talk about is actual engagement and when you start engaging and when you have those initial meetings with let's say a marketing vendor or a contractor you gotta be super alert you gotta look out for any type of red flags and when i say red flags i am specifically referring to are they on time for the meeting right are they rushing the meeting are they asking any type of open-ended questions are they actually interested in your project that is super important because if you are, let's say, for example, in a meeting with a marketing vendor and they are rushing it and they go, oh, yeah, no, no, you know what? This is going to be 10 grand. It doesn't matter how good or how great their reputation is for that matter. That is a red flag. All right. So with that said, always be super cautious and alert, especially in the initial meetings. So another key thing to look out for is the overcommitters is what I call them. And the overcommitters are the type that would essentially just tell you whatever you want to hear. And they would also normally say, you know what? Yeah, no, let's do it. Let's get it done. No problem. So let's get it. Da, 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 da. That is a red flag for sure. I always say that you want to look out for the person that's the straight shooter, the person that's to the point, the person that asks the open-ended questions, super important, and the person that can actually tell you what and what is not possible. Super important. I'm going to say that again. What is possible 
uh, what is not possible. If you get a yes sir person or a group of people, mm. I would probably recommend to move to the next vendor for sure. Now, one little thing I can also add to it is make sure that you are prepared with specific set of open-ended questions on your end as well. Make sure to ask important things like, hey, have you done this type of industry before? And by the way, having experience in an industry doesn't really matter when it comes to a marketing vendor because in most of the cases, it's very similar. It doesn't matter what the industry is, but if you are very, very industry specific, that might be a good point. But I just like to add that as a side note. But again, I think the point that I'm trying to make was, or in other words, is have proper open-ended questions and maybe do a little bit of research as part of that scope research and preparation. Get a few open-ended questions and maybe use something like ChatGPT to help you with that. Just get a few questions that can actually challenge them as well because you can actually see their experience in that matter. The next thing I want to talk about is documentation. And if you already had that initial, let's say, meeting or discussion with potential marketing vendors, you would most likely expect documentation that would essentially put together the entire project from beginning to end, terms and conditions and all that good stuff. Now, if you receive a one pager or you only receive email format or anything like that, then you definitely move on. You do not engage with a marketing vendor or any type of vendor for that matter that does not have proper documentation. So let's talk about that set documentation. So when it comes to redesigning and redeveloping a website, you usually get two types of documentation. The first one would be a SOW or a statement of work document, which is the best one, by the way. And the second one would be, and probably you'd get that from a contractor, is an SLA, a service level agreement. The differences between the two, though, is a statement of work document is a specific document set for that project, which has in scope, out of scope, budget, timeline, all that good stuff, where an SLA is normally meant for ongoing services, ongoing monthly services. Now, coming back to the SAL, the best scenario is receiving a statement of work document or a SAL from a marketing vendor. A good SAL document normally has a few things in there. It's normally a document with quite a significant amount of pages. I'm talking about 20 to 30 pages. That's a good amount. And in that actual document, you would see things like in scope, out of scope, budget, effort, timeline. That is key things. And part of that, you would also see terms and conditions. Now, that is normally the subject matter I always jump to first, but we'll talk about that there in a little bit. When it comes to the actual in scope, always keep an eye on what is actually in scope and what is out of scope, right? Because if the objectives align with your objectives, that is in scope, then you know you're at a good start here. If it's not, or if it's vague, or if it's not descriptive at all, you either decline it or you send it back for them to be more descriptive. Now, in-scope objectives are normally split into different milestones for that matter, right? You normally start with the objectives, like I said, but the milestones are key. And as I said earlier in the episode, milestones are normally split into, let's say, five milestones when it comes to designing and developing a website 
So make sure to have those milestones in the actual statement of work document. Like for example, milestone one would be content research or product or service research. Milestone two could be designing a website. And one side note I can give you when it comes to actually the part of designing a website, look at how many prototypes they're actually going to provide to you. Because you don't want to be in a situation where you are halfway through the project and what they've designed is not what you want at all. Now, with that said, there are a few marketing vendors out there that would skip the design process entirely and just put together a website for you and go, hey, here's your website. Stay away from that. And again, when selecting a vendor, you got to make sure that they have the design component in there. That is, if you are in a project where you're designing or developing a website for that matter. Okay, so with that said, in scope variables or objectives, make sure it's split up into different milestones. The next thing is out of scope. What happens if you change your mind throughout the project, right? And that happens. It doesn't happen often, but it can happen. Let's say you're halfway through and you decide, you know what? No, I need an e-commerce store added to this website as well. How is the vendor going to deal with that? How are they going to manage that if you or your group of people or your management team decide to change their mind? Now, a good statement of work document would outline that anything that goes out of scope will be done at the end of the project. Why? Because we need to get what we've discussed, the objectives done first, and then we can discuss the other stuff, right? So make sure to check out what the out of scope is all about. Now, the next one is budget and efforts. This is actually my favorite part. Now, budget and efforts is the part of the document, part of the statement of work document, where you can actually see how much this project is actually going to cost you and how did they get to that actual amount. So let's say they quoted you 10 grand to do your website, and that means design, development, implementation, content, and all that good stuff. The budget and effort part, if they have it, by the way, would actually tell you how they got to that amount and how much it's going to cost you. Now, a good marketing vendor would actually showcase, hey, this is how many hours we are adding to each milestone or each objective or each task, and this is how much this is going to cost you. Now, one little side note, one little tip I can give you, super, super important, is contingency. Make sure to work in a contingency of about 10 to 15% into the project itself because you never know what can happen. Now, when we talk about contingency, that's essentially a gap for if something goes out of scope or if something, you know, goes above the actual objectives of the project itself. So contingency is super important and also the budget for that matter. Now, normally with the budget and effort section, they would talk about the payment plan. When I say payment plan, I'm referring to when and what you should pay. Now, keep in mind, when you sign a statement of work document with a marketing vendor, your 10 grand could be on the hook and you could lose it, right? So when it comes to the payment part, make sure that that aligns with what you are comfortable with. It is very common to see a, let's say, 20, 30, or even 40% deposit. Make sure that you are comfortable with that. I would say a 20% deposit is a good variable because you never know. Tomorrow, that company could go bankrupt and you've lost that 10%, 20%, 50%, or whatever percent. The other little tip I can give you is request bi-weekly invoicing. 
because not only is that going to help your cash flow, but it's going to help their cash flow as well. And you can track the hours and the progress of the project itself. So what I'm saying by by weekly invoicing is as the project kind of grows or the project goes through all the different steps, they would invoice you every two weeks. And those would be small increments and it won't, you know, hurt your budget or it won't hurt your cash flow that hard. So ask for biweekly payment, in my opinion, that is definitely a good thing to look out for, a good thing to request. All right, so budget and effort, in scope, out of scope, all those stuff, super important. The next thing to look out for is timeline. We need to be able to make sure that there is a physical timeline attached to what you're looking for, right? And always, always, always make sure that a timeline is added in a statement of work document. And a timeline would normally tell you, hey, listen, week one to week three, we would do this. Week four to week eight, or whatever the case might be, they would essentially put to pen and paper what they're going to do and how many weeks it's going to take to complete a website. Now, one thing I can tell you, though, a website that is designed and developed and implemented by a marketing vendor, you're looking at eight to 10 weeks, maybe 13 weeks to get a website done. When they commit to, let's say, 10 weeks, you hold them up for that. Meaning if they said 10 weeks, it's going to be 10 weeks. Because I've seen in many cases where clients would say, oh, you know what? I would rather want this to be done properly. So you guys take your time. And then six months passed and you still don't have anything to show and you probably spend like five grand already. So always, always, when it comes to the timeline, make sure that if they say 10 weeks, for example, that's going to be 10 weeks, not more, not less, unless something bad happens or unless something goes out of scope. Of course, you can change that. But the point I'm trying to make is when a timeline is set on pen and paper, by the way, not verbal, that is what needs to be done. All right, so that is documentation, that is in scope, that is the sell. The next thing I want to talk about, the next little bit of advice that I want to give is the terms and conditions. Now, I know that I've said previously in this episode that this is my favorite and that is my favorite, but honestly, when it comes to the terms and conditions, this is definitely one that perks me up for sure. Why? Because it's all about liability. And it's all about limiting not only the vendor's liability, but your liability as well. Now, the first thing when it comes to terms and conditions, the first thing you need to look out for, very first, most important, is the intellectual property. Meaning, who owns this website? Who owns this project once everything is done? Now, there could be a clause in there that if you don't pay your invoices in time or or anything like that, yes, okay, the intellectual property might be owned by the marketing vendor, which I think, in my opinion, is fair. But at the end of the day, when this project is done, who owns it? Super important. Because I've seen in many cases where the project is completed and the intellectual property is not that of the customer, right? At the end of the day, again, you are buying their service, you are buying a set amount of hours to get something completed. In this case, it would be a website. So intellectual property, always look out for that. Now, with that said, the next thing I'm going to talk about is dispute resolution. Super important. Always go to the dispute resolution and see what happens if something goes wrong. What kind of steps are we going to take? Is there any kind of arbitration? Uh, What are the legal steps involved? Now, one thing I can tell you, though, is a marketing vendor doing a service that's roughly about 10 grand, it is small claims, which means if you take them to court, it's going to take you years 
to actually get something done. It's going to take you years to actually get them to court. So always make sure that the dispute resolution is amicable and the dispute resolution is at that point where if something goes wrong, these are the steps that we're going to take. All right, so with that said, the last thing when it comes to terms and conditions is legal counsel. Now, I know you've probably heard this a million times. I mean, I've heard it as a business owner a million times. If before you sign anything, go, go to make sure you get your legal counsel. Yes, that's all great, but legal counsel is a lot of money, right? A legal counsel will probably charge you three grand just to look at this document, right? So if you have a lawyer that can assist you with that, for sure, use them. Get them to go through the terms and conditions. Get them to go through the entire document. If you need to or if you want to select a lawyer and you don't have one and you really want to, make sure that you select a lawyer that specifically focuses on projects and services for that matter, right? Civil litigation, good. But if they specifically focus on projects for different companies or different industries or organizations, definitely want to go for that. But in my opinion, you know what? I know that this might not be for everybody, but you can also use services like ChatGPT Plus, not ChatGPT 3.5 or the free version. I'm talking about the Plus, the 4 version. Much better, by the way. Much easier to use. Much smarter, for that matter. But if you use ChatGPT to kind of run the document through it, it will also give you some good insight for sure. Is it absolutely 100%? In my opinion, it is, yes. But of course, you know, people will argue for sure. They would say that, no, it's not. But that's a decision that you need to make at the end of the day. All right, so the second last thing I'm going to talk about is reputation. And I'm talking about the actual marketing vendor's reputation. Before selecting that actual marketing vendor, let's say you've gone through the process. You met them a few times. You basically have two or three vendors that you really, really like and you don't know which one to, to select. Next thing to look out for is reputations, referrals, and reviews. One thing I can say though, is when it comes to online reputation, specifically like something like Google My Business, always look out for how many reviews they have and how many five-star and four-star and three-stars they have. Now, it's important to note that a marketing agency, it's quite tough for them to get a lot of reviews. You won't ever really see a marketing vendor with three, four, 500 reviews. If you do, that's definitely dodgy in my opinion. I would say anything between 60 to 150 with an average rate of 4.8 to 5 good choice go for it but make sure to read through each review all right second last point i promise we're almost done here is ask for referrals ask them to actually share referrals of customers happy customers sad customer whatever customers that you can talk to them that you can engage with them and ask them how they experienced their service with the specific set vendor so always Always ask for referrals, in my opinion. doesn't matter if it's a $1,000 project or a $10,000 project, ask for referrals. All right, the last thing is sign that SAL, sign that documentation. Now, before you sign it, before you make your decision, do me a favor and reach out to those vendors that you're not signing and let them know that you're not moving forward and why. One of the most frustrating parts when I ran my own company and let's say, customer or a client didn't select us, they would just ghost. That is very, very, very annoying. Don't do that. Super frustrating. But tell them why you're not selecting them. And those that actually care would appreciate that. Give them the reason. Tell them that, listen, I didn't like this, this, and that. 
And I think for your next customer, maybe improve in this, this, and that. Or, hey, marketing vendor, your budget is way out of whack. Or I didn't know how you actually got to your budget. And this is what I would recommend for your next customer. So the point I'm trying to make, or in other words, reach out. Let them know. All right, so once you've informed those that you are not going to move forward with, last thing, sign that documentation and also sign every single page. Initial every single page and date that. Initial the actual budget section. Initial the actual milestone section. Because if something goes wrong, you know that wherever you sign, that's what you signed. All right, so with that, that is my insight on selecting a vendor, a marketing vendor. I want to say thank you for listening to this episode. And when you have some time, navigate to YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button. We are trying to grow this channel and we will be posting episodes on a weekly basis. So make sure to check in again. Thanks for listening.